take every opportunity to eat it up because we need to we need actually need to get rid of it. We have some food left over. Um, not I don't think there's anything that's not touched. But uh, if you brought a dish, uh, please make sure you go back and check on it because we do have some leftovers, so to speak. So we'll need to take those. I don't think I don't know exactly if I'm saying this properly, but I think they're needing folks to, you know, reclaim their dishes and their leftovers, you know, and uh, and so just don't assume that whatever I brought's gone and the container it was in. So uh, go check on it. Um, but I think we we got through most of it. So praise the Lord. Um, so anyway, that's good. All right. So uh, so this is the, the the moment we're here for. So the Mammoth team uh, are they ready to roll? Okay, are the kids out here? Have we, are the, have all the kids made their way? We're making our way that way? Do we need to wait to release the kids? That's my question. Okay, so if you have little ones that want to go and, and jump in on the VBS, uh, then now is the time uh, to go ahead, and I think they're ready to receive them, and uh, that's going to be cool. They're going to enjoy that. Awesome. And, uh, okay, so, all right, so what we're going to do now is, is just, just like I said, it's going to be informal, formal and casual. We're just going to turn it over to Lee and Heather, and they're going to come up and share with us their testimony and uh, leave a little time for QA at the end and, and uh, just get to know you all. So give them some love, and guys, come on up and share with us. I'm on. All right. Great. You can talk, then I don't need to, right? <laughs> um, here tonight, we would just share our personal testimony of salvation. Um, and then I'm going to start us off sharing after that a little bit about the first nine months being in the Dominican Republic. But before we do any of that, there's something critical that needs to be explained. Did you come It, yeah, it's on. It's on. It just doesn't know it's on. I ran it this morning. So. Yeah, it worked this morning. Too. taking the remote that's challenging you can't take the remote right guys <laughs> then i'm just meddling <laughs> okay are we ready are we ready all right so this what? needs discussed okay this is our grandson right he's how old 11 months okay 11 months and this is what our grandson looks like when he's been around grandma and he's experiencing grandma and he's happy and he's very refined looking, isn't he? He's very well groomed, he's got on the great outfits and everything. And then there's the impact of grandpa. <laughs> right? And it don't matter, we're just having fun hanging out. But 
sharing this because my, you know, I want it to be real about everything. Because that's how God gets the, the glory. Go ahead. Is when we really share how it is. Okay? And so I think one of the hardest things that we have done is going to the field and our grandson being here. And I love my son. And I love his wife. But this was a whole new level of difficulty. And uh, so we've got to visit with him twice in his life, in person. We Zoom all the time. So a real quick funny story. We were at the airport. And uh, we were waiting for him to arrive. You know, the parents were coming too. But um, And, and when, when he got there, we were sitting there together while they waited on their luggage. And he's just kind of looking at us, and we're having fun. And, and so I, I FaceTimed my daughter, who's still in the Dominican Republic, because I wanted her to be able to see him too. And, and so as soon as he saw her on that screen, he'd look at the screen, and he'd look at us. <laughs> like, how did you get out of the screen? <laughs> he's only ever seen us on FaceTime that, you know. So for us to be out of the phone was just amazing to him. <laughs> and, then, and the truth is, he's taking the phone and turning it over, and he's looking at the back. And it's, it was hilarious that he could not figure out how we got out of the screen. Yeah. So. It'll be funny when we FaceTime again now that he's back in Georgia, and he's like, they got back in there, <laughs> right where they belong. <laughs> so just wanted to share that with you. What a huge blessing it is. share the gospel Friday morning because they're, they're giving out hot chocolate, which is crazy because it's the end of the game. But <laughs> we're giving out hot chocolate and people come and, and they want to hear the word. And, and in that process, there was a young man who accepted Christ as Savior. And as he did that, so, so he accepted Christ as his... <laughs> Just ask her, she'll tell you. <laughs> is, is it not on again? We good? Okay, so this young man received Christ as his Savior, and he was very serious. He sat down on the sidewalk next to, him, next to me, and he had all kinds of questions, and we walked our way through probably seven or eight different passages, and he received Christ, and his countenance was completely different at that point, and... I explained to him, I said, you can share this, you don't need me. And, and I handed him one of the tracts, like what I shared with you, and I said, you know, you can share this. And, and he thanked me, he hugged me, and boom, he was gone. I didn't even get to get his information, which I, I always get people's information. So we went on, and we're giving out more scripture, and we're giving out more tracts, and we're talking to more people. And he, I see his shirt, because it's like neon green. He's coming back with somebody. And he came back, and he brought his friend. And he wanted to 
his friend to hear the gospel. And so his friend stood there, and, uh, and, and his friend accepted Christ as a Savior. And that, that's a grandchild. That's a grandchild in Christ. And, and that's what we need to be striving for. And, and it didn't stop there. And they left. And they went and got another guy. And they came back. And so by the time they, it, that it went through this cycle four times, they came back with two more people. And I told him, I'm not going to share. You are. And he stood there with his friend who he sought out. He stood there. And those guys worked together and took that little track and shared the gospel with these two new guys that came back. You know, that's what we're talking about this week. Finishing his work. How many classes have they had? Right? Come on now. Right? They just knew they knew Jesus. And their friends knew him. So, and I'll stop preaching now. But, so my testimony, I, it's working great. Today I didn't look at any slides, so I'm just trying to do, redo this. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in an amazing home. And I'm not just saying that because my mom and my sister are here. Right? <laughs> Um, I did. I grew up in an amazing home, and they taught me right from wrong. And they taught me that if you're going to get in trouble, make sure the paddle's in dad's hands, not in mom's. <laughs> um, but in that process, you know, they raised me. They taught me right from wrong. I had great morals. Um, but as a kid... You know, I remember them teaching me right and wrong, but I, I didn't know anything about Jesus, right? And so I believed in God, and the reason I know that is because I was scared to death of the dark. I don't even know if you know this or not, but I was scared to death of the dark, and many great parents, I'm from the generation where they came in, they tucked you in at night, you know? And then they'd leave the room, and the covers went over my head, and I'd hide under those blankets, scared to death of the dark. Right? And I prayed. Never been, I wasn't taught, here's how you pray. But I prayed. And so when somebody looks at you and says, I don't believe in God, that ain't true. Because I believed in him. Nobody ever taught me to. The, the, the issue is, at some point in time, they stopped believing in God. And you need to help them figure out where they were when that happened so that you can cross that bridge together with them and show them who Jesus is. But so, great house, taught great morals. Um, but my God growing up was running. In third grade, I started running seriously. I, I, uh, I wanted a gold medal. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And I made that decision in third grade. I used to run laps around my block, true or not, <laughs> okay, every day at, at recess when the kids went and played. Yeah, no, not me. I ran laps around the playground. I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best. I wanted a gold medal. So by the time I was a freshman in college, I ran a 407 mile. 
I ran a 9.17 two-mile, and my halftime was 151. Had a handshake deal with a guy from Arkansas who was the coach who said, hey, come here, you'll have a full ride, and he was the Olympic distance coach at the time. So, I mean, I was there. I was this close. Then I blew out my knee. Stepped off uh, the track one in one race. I had never quit a race. I finished a cross-country race, a 3.1-mile race, on a partially torn Achilles tendon. I mean, I, I so quitting a race wasn't in my concept. There was, I had no concept of doing that. That was for somebody else, not me. Pain was here. And so the day I stepped off that track, that got my attention. I couldn't straighten my, I mean, I couldn't bend my leg. They, they took me in. I did, they did surgery on me, Dr. John Brown. He was the chief's knee surgeon at the time. And uh, he looked at me when I was done. He says, you're done. You will not be able to compete like that anymore. And I said, well, let's, do, let's handle this this way. It sounds really arrogant, sorry. But I'm going to be real with you. I looked at him and I said, you do your job, I'll do mine. So you've done your job. Now it's my turn to do my job. And I went back to training, to progressing to the point where I was running 100 to 120 miles a week. And guess what? problems. I've been through 10 left knee surgeries and 7 rights. Been through 17 knee surgeries. You know what I learned? God wanted my attention. Okay? So I lost that dream, but in the middle of uh, losing that dream, I met her. Right? And God replaced that dream. And it wasn't just with her, but she was going to use for Christ. And so, come on, guys. She walked past me at Bannister Mall. I know it's not there anymore, but she walked past me at Bannister Mall. I was working there, and all I saw was beautiful green eyes. Uh, I was like, yeah, I must figure out who owns those beautiful green eyes. And uh, she was going to use for Christ, so where did I go? Use for Christ. When she went to church, where did I go? Yeah, I went to church. So I was going for all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. And we dated for a long time. Long time. And then on her worst day of her life and my best day of my life, she said yes. Right? And we were married for two years. And in the church. I was in seven different ministries and on my way to hell because I had not accepted Christ as my Savior. And that's what the Bible says. It's not what man says. The Bible says, Romans 10, 9, Que si confessoras con tu boca que Jesús es el Señor, y creas en tu corazón que Dios levanto de los muertos, serás salvo. Amen? They can tell you what I said later. No, no. No, it's, it's Romans 10, 9. You guys know Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's easy. And so I did that. I accepted Christ as my Savior, walking into the church one day. I couldn't lie about it anymore. I couldn't fake it. 
The hard part was, Pastor, they had baptism that night. So all the people I'd been lying to for two years, all my friends, my pastor at the time, everybody, they were, they were going to find out. I was scared to death. But God took care of all of it. I thought I was going to lose her. Because why would she want to stay married to a liar who faked it? See, Satan did all those things to try and stop me from accepting Christ. But I got saved, and she was only mad at me for about four hours. And that's a true story. It's a true story. God, God took care of it. <laughs> well, I'll let her share that part. <laughs> but So I know Christ is my Lord and Savior. I can't tell you I surrendered all then. I'd be lying to you. It was about two years after that when I surrendered all on a mission trip in Juarez, Mexico. So, and that's another story, and we don't have time for that tonight. So, your turn. Um, my story starts out a little similar in that um, I was one of the bus kids that would come into church on the bus or the van. My mom was faithful to send me on a church bus to a little church kind of between Oak Grove and Butler. I honestly don't remember the name of it. Is that a big space? Yes. <laughs> no, not Butler. Buckner, Tarsney. Thank you. There you go. A <laughs> little bit different. <laughs> so um, as a kid, she sent me out there. And I remember being like six or seven years old. And I remember getting baptized. The reason I remember is because they forgot to turn the heater on. And it was cold as all get out. And the pastor said, you don't have to do this. It's freezing. And I said, no, I want to do that. Um, fast forward to high school. And I remember getting baptized. That's what I remember, being sick. Um, and in high school, my friend Tammy Etheridge, um, her name's Tammy Steinwalk now. She's a teacher in Blue Springs School District. Still to this day. Still to this day. Anyway, she invited me to an ice skating activity, and I thought, that sounds fun. I mean, I'm in high school. I want friends. I want stuff to do, place to hang out. Cool. So I went, and this guy shared about the Bible, and I thought, that's interesting because some of the stuff he was saying made sense to me but was becoming personal, and so God was just using his word to reveal that while I had been baptized when I was six, I was still lost. And at 16, aware of the fact that I was lost. So, um, but I am a redheaded only child. And so, if you have any redheads in your family or only children, put those two together. And we dig our heels in and... There's no moving us. <laughs> he left out part Italian and part Irish. Yeah, a little Irish-Italian. Anyway. Yeah. Just Sharon. Just a all. little personality, they call it. Anyway, um, but I didn't want to make an emotional decision. Nobody's going to sway me with just that emotional decision. So I waited. And then I came back the next week and I heard more. And it took two or three weeks of me hearing the word. But then I was just convicted with the notion that I might not have another week. Like, you're never promised another week. And so was my stubbornness my God, or was I just going to surrender? 
And so I told my friend Tammy, I was like, I want to pray and get saved. I want to receive the Lord as my Savior. And we did. We sat in the bedroom at um, Shirley McNeil's house and and prayed and received the Lord as my Savior. And so that was my jumping off point. I tell people when I'm sharing my testimony or if I'm sharing the gospel with them, I'm like, if you've never just had that jumping off point, it's that step where you just start your relationship with the Lord. And like Lee said, like, I didn't have anything figured out at that point. I just knew I was lost and I needed a Savior. And that was my jumping off point into my relationship with Jesus. So it was a few months after that when I... If you're familiar with Youth for Christ or some of these other, like, parachurch organizations, um, one thing that they were good at was telling you to find a local New Testament church. They wouldn't necessarily help you find one, but they did tell you to find one. And so I went to church with Tammy. And um, so after a few months there, then I followed in baptism um, and did discipleship through our church and Married my husband, and and the rest is history. So that's kind of my testimony for salvation. And um, we're going to go into... Hang on. Grab one of these at some point in time this week, please. Just a little commercial real quick before we get started. Um, Not supposed to say I covet, so I really want your prayers badly. Because we need them. I'm going to share a story real quick, and then we're going to jump into this. Um, there was, in the Dominican Republic, uh, the government, the police, everything's different. It's completely different. It's a whole different world. And so imagine this. You're, you're driving in a car. You've just come back from sharing the gospel and having a great day in ministry. You've got three Dominican, two Dominicans in your back seat. Is it two or three? Two. Two Dominicans in your back seat. And your wife's in your front passenger seat and you're driving and and driving there's an experience people um you got a 50 50 shot of not getting in a wreck (laughs) um and or having your front axle taken out by a pothole um and so we're we're literally at the intersection across from the church where we're getting ready to go to and a police officer steps in front of my car and i'm thinking okay ex-cops Okay, ex-military police, there's some things I didn't share. Ex-MP, ex-police officer, ex-all kinds of other things, okay? And so it doesn't, I don't get scared because there's a police officer in front of my car. It just doesn't do that to me anymore. I'm callous when it comes to that. And he walks up and he, he asks to see the papers on the car and we, we imported it legally. We did everything we were supposed to in the middle of the pandemic, okay? All this stuff happened the way it was supposed to and we paid every penny that we were supposed to pay. But because the government offices were shut down, we didn't have our official placard yet. We had the temp one, and we had all the paperwork, but we didn't have official placard. And so he comes out, he, he looks at my paperwork, and it, within 30 seconds looks at me and says, we're going to take your car. That's a problem because I'm not going to pay him a bribe. And and so I get out to try and reason with this gentleman and show him on the paperwork and explain to him what they told us every time we attempted to get the real placard for no talking to him. And 
you could see them picking up other cars with tow trucks. And so I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, huh, well, this is going to be interesting. I have my family in a foreign country, and uh, this is the only vehicle I have, and cars are three times more expensive there than they are here, and didn't build that one into the budget. Um, and if they take your car, there's no getting it back. It's not like you go pick it up at the impound or whatever. Oh, you'll get part of it back. <laughs> Maybe pieces here and there. But they're going to sell everything on it that's of any value. They pay their police officers about $250 a month. Um, and so I'm in this situation. My wife is be as being as calm as a wife. <laughs> as a redheaded only child can be. Part okay? Italian, part Irish. I, I was, ladies, seriously, I was like, I we have sold, I own nothing this car is like the one thing we brought over from the United States. And I was like, seriously, God, seriously. <laughs> and uh, when the Dominicans that are with you look scared, yeah. <laughs> that's not a good day. Um, and so one of the pastors came and talked with them, and they told the pastors we're taking the car. They told everybody they were taking the car. I sent out a text. Asking people to pray. And we were there for two hours. And they didn't take our car. They gave me permission to drive through the intersection and park it at the church. Because people prayed. And God honored that. Just like what happened with Peter. When the current governor... And the current ruler decided he was going to vex certain in the church. And they went after. First guy didn't, didn't make it out so well. He died within a verse of the ruler saying, yeah, I'm going to vex certain. He killed him with a knife. And then they went after Peter and they got Peter. And they put him. He was guarded by, by 16 soldiers. But it says something. It says, but the church prayed without ceasing. Same thing happened. It wasn't 16 soldiers, but boy, it sure felt like it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I know it's a car, right? It's a car. That, that's a huge tool that's needed for ministry. And so I'm not stressing these because I want you to have a booklet. I, I want you to pray for us, please. We need it. Because I don't ever know when that's going to happen. I have no guarantee that when I get in the car and start driving down the road that I'm coming back in that car. But I do have a guarantee of people praying. If you'll just commit to that, it will be a huge blessing in your life. We need it. Okay? First nine months. <laughs> you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go. I okay. can't read it back there, but I didn't okay. have my glasses on. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, I can't sit down no longer. I'll start, I'll start stuttering if I stand too still while I'm supposed to be talking. <laughs> so our first nine months, we arrived in July. Uh, Lee touched on it this morning. Like the country opened for a week. 
um, and we flew in. And then the country closed again. There had been a new president elected, and I think he wanted to present himself like well and as a good president. And so he. That's a politically correct version. I think he wanted to go. Yeah, look at me. Anyway, um, so he opened it for a week, you know, trying to look like good. And so we snuck in. I mean, we got in there and we got into an apartment. Um, there, it is very difficult to rent an apartment. Um, you have to have uh, an intermediary, uh, someone from the country that will vouch for you that you're going to pay your bill. And it's challenging, but, but God. We had a tip that on Airbnb you could do long-term leases. And so we investigated that because you can pay that through the United States. You can do that without a guarantor. Um, they're the same price as what we were looking at on other websites. So that was a huge blessing. And we did pick one off of there and landed in an apartment, not a hotel, not a stranger's home, which we would have done if that's what God had wanted us to do. But he provided a place, so we arrived at midnight <laughs> um, into our literally yeah into our first home um, we had nine suitcases between the three of us that was everything we owned and the one thing we didn't think of is that it was three flights of stairs to the apartment but we did it um, anyway so we got our stuff up there um, mm. it was fine and if it's what was needed, we would have stayed there. There were some definite challenges. It did not have all of its windows, and some of the water wasn't working right, and the hot water wasn't. Speaking of water, have you ever dragged nine suitcases upstairs when it's 92 degrees outside, and there's no water that you can drink? <laughs> so. Um, and everything's closed. Yeah, that was a bit of They a don't have quick trip. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So uh, at midnight, I boiled some water and like threw it in the freezer. And I was like, maybe we'll have some ice cubes by morning or just something cool enough that we can just get a little drink of water before the store opens. We, were, we just made it through the first night and we were fine. Yes, I know that was poor planning on my part. <laughs> you don't, things you don't think about, like, oh, probably should have oh, taken some water. Oh, my family needs water. <laughs> anyway. Um, the landlord that we had was not wanting to do some repairs and stuff, like put the windows in, and the mosquitoes are kind of vicious, so it is a need to have the windows. windows. And anyway, so we or just netting or something. something. We just prayed about it, and God provided a different apartment. Also, it was an inside apartment of like two or three other apartments. And so there was no airflow through this apartment. Tell them about the air conditioning. And well, you have air conditioning in your bedroom. Maybe. And so you can turn it on at night, like to sleep. And it's just like, kind of like a window unit, but it's like a little wall unit. And until it freezes up and then doesn't work no more. So, so God provided a different apartment. That's the. Do you see why Long we're together? Long story made short. <laughs> but, you know, I moved to another country, 
and a month later I'm going to move again. And so it wasn't pretty. I mean. Okay, my turn. So that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, look, we would have slept in a tent. I know my wife. We could have slept in a tent. She would have went anywhere that I asked. Anywhere. I mean, you talk about taking it like a champ. So you're in a new country. You don't know the language. You don't know the processes. The country goes on lockdown. Grocery stores, gas stations, and medical. That's what you had access to. And only certain hours during the day. So, Right? And so it started off with you had 15-hour days outside of your home. All right? Okay, you can work with that. And then it went down to 12-hour days. And then it went down to you have from 5 a.m. in the morning till noon. And that's provided you're a morning person. I am not. <laughs> so I had like from 8 to noon. <laughs> Keep being real. But seriously, so you have seven hours to get stuff done, and you don't even know where to go to do what. You're learning, but so it was rough. Okay, so... And she handled all of that like a champ, like a champ. I, it, it, she could not have handled it any better, in my own personal opinion. No schools were open, so there's nobody there teaching different languages either in all the places that we had planned on using, right? That, that makes it fun. Um, so you're limited drastically in ministry. And then she's, an, she's a nurse practitioner, and her husband gets this horrible eye infection. And we were fighting sinus stuff and things. I mean, when you move into a new country, you move into new bugs, right? And your body's got to get acclimated to it's it. It's probably one of the things that's been the most frustrating for me this first year is how many times we've been sick. And I'm like, we're pretty stoic people, but kind of just rotates through. And, every, you know, somebody's got a sign of something, then somebody's got a... But I'm like, it's like we have three- and four-year-olds again where it just rotates through the house. But mm -hmm. it's just being in a new country and developing, you know, different immunity to where you're living. Yeah. And so then I'm reaching one day. I'm on, I'm on this medication for my eye infection. And I'm reaching down to, to grab something. And I don't even get it grabbed. And my bicep tendon severs from the elbow and severs from my shoulder, tears my rotator cuff in half, and rips up the backside of my shoulder also. Right? I literally, when it happened, I looked at my wife. I said, I'm going to try and get to where you're at, but I'm about to pass out. And she, you know, she's looking at me like, uh-huh. You know, I heard the pop. She didn't. All I was doing was reaching down. And no, it wasn't because I was old. I heard that. I don't know who said it. <laughs> I was on a medication called Levaquin, and it's known for making your tendons really, really tight. Off the record, on the record, I don't know what's right or wrong, but don't ever take it, all right? <laughs> um, so literally, now she's been through all of this, and now she's got a husband that can't use his right arm. And it, it's kind of been a rough haul. We were in the countryside, too. Um, we had left the city with some friends, and we were about an hour outside of the city. So he's obviously hurting enough to pass out, and I'm thinking, I got to get him some medical care somehow or something. And 
So I drive to the, the hospital in this little town, and it is a, like a four-room four concrete building, and it's got the doctor sitting at the desk up front. There's no nurses or anything. It's just a doctor and these three patient rooms. I don't remember much of this. And <laughs> I'm like, x-ray? I think he needs an x-ray. He's some medicine. She's like, no. Oh, boy. And, I, and I'm doing all this in my limited Spanish because we've only been there over a two month. or three months. Two no. months at the most. July, August, September. Two months. Two months. So um, it was just kind of, I'm used to navigating healthcare in the United States, and I'm used to being the one in charge of the healthcare in the United States. Only child, part Italian, <laughs> part Irish. I'm a redheaded only child. Did I mention that? So I'm used to saying, like, this is what I need. Let's do this. And I'm in this little town in the middle of nowhere, not speaking the language and just trying to get him an arm sling or something so we can get back to the city. We did. We got a sling, and my day got a whole lot better. Yeah. We had a sling, and we were good for the next four and a half We had to months. run down to the pharmacy and buy the sling because <laughs> they didn't have it at the <laughs> hospital. But we ran down to the pharmacy and bought the sling and brought it back to the hospital and that was literally my medical treatment for four and a half months because you have to navigate a new medical process too a new medical system and you have different insurance that you've never had before it's international and everybody wants theirs everybody wants paid under the name no, and I'm not speaking bad about the country. That's the way it is. That's the way their medical system is. And so it was literally four and a half months. Mm -hmm. Before we could get insurance to approve surgery. Well, to find out he needed surgery. Two. To get insurance to approve surgery. And then to do all of the pre-op testing. Know, do you know what your bicep does when it's disconnected at both ends? <laughs> it shrivels up to nothing. It hangs there. <laughs> just gets in your way every time you put a shirt on you know but and I'm sharing all this we are not doing this to say oh look at us pity party no we're trying to that's how important prayer is that's how important prayer is we needed it we needed prayer okay we went through a lot I'm not complaining I'd do it all again right now because I know who sent us and that's the thing, like, I think we share that so that you have confidence and know that if God's told you to do something, he'll make a way to do it. He'll sustain you when you obey. You just have to do it. In that process of the first nine months, we started Bags of Hope Ministry, the intersections. How many of you have saw the video I posted about the traffic? at one of the intersections. Look at the Facebook sometime and look at that video. It's fun, okay? But it shows you what the traffic's like and what the intersections are like. Well, at intersections in the Dominican, there's children at most of them. There are adults too, but there's children there wanting to do your windshield, wanting to be your windshield wipers. They're wanting to clean your car. They want to do anything they can for money so they can get food. And man, it stinks telling them no. It stinks not being able to give out money every time you're at an intersection. It's just like ripping your heart out of your chest. 
nine times out of ten they would never get the child will not get the money it's whoever their handler is whether it's a parent or not um, you know whether it's a bad situation that they're in or even if it's just their parent um, they won't see that money so to give them money is would do nothing for them so but it didn't matter because telling them no I was miserable. And I told Lee, I said, I can't, can't keep telling these kids no. I cannot do it. I have, we have to find something to do. So we started what we call Bags of Hope. And we get little, like, lunch bags, brown bags. And we put crackers in them with either cheese or peanut butter in it. And then we put a water bottle in it. And we give them candy because I'm the immature one. Because he's a grandpa now, so, you know, got to be some candy in the bag. I'm a very young grandpa. But, but and also the clean heart track. If you know um, Larry and Charlotte Franklin, for years they've produced a clean heart track for boys and girls. And it's like a little magic slate track where they can write their sin in the heart. And it goes through the gospel with them. And we have those in Spanish. You lift it up and whatever you wrote has gone. And so we started that, and uh, the, we're starting to get recognized now. When we pull up to an intersection, they recognize our car. And we'll have six kids come up to the car. They have hope. And they get those. Like, we've watched with our eyes. They'll take the bag. They will stop begging. They will go sit down right then and open the bag and most of the time, the first thing they will pull out is the track. And they, they not the food, they don't, not the they water. They don't go, oh, the track. Where's the food? They sit there and read it. I'm going to show you a picture. But so we started that in the first, and that's been going really well. I got pulled over and stopped by the police. I have a pattern in my life. I, they thought we were selling drugs or giving drugs out or something because we they were thought handing I was a bag to a child. Drugs. So they stopped. I was arm in a sling, right? They surrounded my car, literally, not being dramatic. They, they surrounded my car. They had me get out of the car. Then they proceeded to shove my arm behind my back and put it in handcuffs. And then they said, open your trunk. You know, and I, I wanted to say, you open my trunk. My <laughs> arms are beyond my back. But so they opened my trunk, and they're getting in these bags. And about the fourth bag in, they're seeing... No drugs in my trunk. And that gave me an opportunity. Yeah. And I stood there handcuffed in the middle of 20-some guys and got to share the gospel. Right? So praise God. Right? Amen? There's more fruit of the Bag of Hope ministry. Just not the kind that you think of. Uh, flip-flops. How many? You guys remember the flip-flops? All right. You're going to see a picture of an area we went into. But we use the flip-flops, and it's phenomenal. The blessing. I, I swear they're multiplying. just want you to know that. It's been yeah. such a huge blessing, though. Like, but, and we have so many flip-flops, and we've given away I two duffels full, I and take we've out still a got duffel more. Bag, and, <laughs> and we give them away, awesome. and I come back, and it's like there's more flip-flops <laughs> on the bed. Seriously, it's crazy. But when we couldn't go into any area for church, when they weren't allowing church services, mm -hmm. we could go in and take flip-flops 
And we're, we're just here to distribute some soapboxes to the kids. We're just here to help the community. Right. And then you share a Bible lesson with them. When they um, come to get the flip flops. When they come to get the flip flops, you're still going to have some church. It just different, looks a little different. So flip flop ministry has been amazing. Uh, new culture has been probably one of the biggest challenges in multi-ways. Uh, new money system, new process of life in general. I put all that stuff up there just to, it's not an easy transition. It's not. But we're nine months in, and I wouldn't trade it for nothing. Not for anything. So in that process, here's some fruit. People who receive Christ as their Savior. Um, these, the first guy in the light blue was our security guard at the first place first apartment complex and I shared the gospel with him the next day the day after we got there he got saved and then he started hollering at the other two guys who were the security guards across the street in the parking lot they got saved and I started holding bible studies with these guys and teaching them and so it immediately started uh the young man on the left if I didn't zoom it in as much as I should have but he is literally reading one of the the clean heart track. That's he he has opened up the bag and he's reading the track. Okay? And the group on the right, Johnny, my daughter's new husband, plays softball. I mean, the guy can hit the ball four hundred yards and throw softball. Crazy. But he he was supposed to sign with New York and messed up his arm and had to go through Tommy John. Sound familiar? Um, gave his life to Christ. Amen. Okay. So he was playing softball. When he got done, I said, hey, let's round them up. I want to tell them about Jesus. They filled the stand with people. What you see there is everybody that was celebrating their salvation. Okay. The, the receptiveness is amazing. What God's doing is amazing. God is opening doors specifically. Go ahead. I've highlighted that Santa Domingo. Santa Domingo proper, okay? We talked about, uh, as I've shared, you've probably heard, it's like about a four-mile diameter, north north to south, east to west, four, whatever that word is, four miles, okay? <laughs> so within And the, four million people. Yeah, within the area of that green is four million people. There's plenty to do. Okay? Just a couple people, couple cars here and there, <laughs> right? There's more motorcycles in the, in the Dominican Republic than there are cars. And so for every car lane, you have two motorcycle lanes. You'll get that. Not their own lane. They get on either side of your car and form their own lane yeah, between the come, cars. They didn't come across very clearly. So for every two car lanes, you have one, two, three motorcycle lanes. Get it? <laughs> okay. And so... Going two miles can take you an hour and a half in a car, okay, because it's very congested. On a motorcycle, it's about six minutes. You know how I know that? <laughs> People helped us and gave and helped us get a motorcycle. And you're going to see why that's very important here very shortly. So that's Santa Domingo, and if we were to take Google Maps and... Go over here to the right. Go ahead. Oh, there we go. This is an area called Valiente. It's real hard to see, but it's like 
being out in the bush in Africa. Okay, there's one paved road out there that's really good. The rest of them, yeah, not so good. You cannot take your car in there if you want to come back out with the same axle system. You just can't do it. My Kia Optima EX, I love it. The fuel is phenomenal. I can go forever on a tank of gas there, and gas is about a little over $6 a gallon. So I can go forever in that car, but I can't go there very far in that car. And so that's why a motorcycle was important. Or we park, if I'm with him, we park on like the edge of the community. We pull just off the paved road and then we walk in. Yep. And so that is uh, the specific area there. Don't click. Okay. So there was flip-flop project. We went in, we gave flip-flops. And we had probably over 30 kids come that day. And we had about seven or eight teens show up that day. And then I went around the corner, and there was a young man looking feverishly for something that he couldn't find. And we start, I started sharing the gospel with him. Accepted Christ as Savior. He's 22 and starting to be bilingual. He knew about as much English as I knew Spanish. And so... I have a bilingual Bible, so all I have to do is point if I don't know how to say it. I just point at the verse because he can read it. I don't need to. God speaks very strongly. And so he accepted Christ as Savior. He got saved. And I promised him, I will come back next week. We will start studying the Bible next week. And so next week came around, and I got on the motorcycle. It's an hour and 15 minutes from where we live to there, not because of the mileage, not because of the traffic, it's just the route you have to take. It makes it difficult. So I'm, I'm on my way, and, and it rains in the Dominican how often? A lot. Okay. <laughs> and I'm driving along the coast, so it's raining, and the wind's blowing probably 30, 40 miles an hour. Okay? It's a bad day to be on a bike. And it just keeps getting worse, just raining harder. That shouldn't be a surprise, right? I'm following up on a promise. As somebody who represents the Lord, it's going to be attacked in any way possible, right? And so I get there, and I get to the one really good paved road. One, Pastor. One. And it's shut down. And I've only been into this area one time, right? Guess how good my cell phone reception was. <laughs> exactly. Goose egg. So my GPS, and I'm supposed to find another way to get back into Africa? <laughs> the water on the roads, how many of you have ridden a motorcycle before? Okay, all right. So when you have... A foot and a half to two foot of water? Yeah, exactly. I didn't think it would work either, but God's amazing. Right? So I'm, I backtrack a couple miles. I cut back into the woods, and I'm trying to get my way through these houses and these roads that are kind of roads, kind of not. 
and I have no idea how to get where I'm supposed to go the way that I'm going. And this teenager helps me. He brings out, I explain to him kind of where I'm trying to go. He brings out a piece of plastic that he has, with a knife, carved kind of a route on the plastic. He put a little, like, bigger stab in it where I was, right? And said, okay, here you go. Right? I was impressed. I never thought about using plastic, you know? And so here I am on a motorcycle with what kind of an arm? Well, yeah, it hadn't been repaired yet, so it wasn't working the best. But so, so I'm on the motorcycle. He says, as long as he can do this, it's okay. Right. <laughs> hey, my PT's good. I'm golden right now. Right? <laughs> and so I'm holding this in one hand. I'm trying to steer and handle the motorcycle in the other hand. Hold my feet up because of the two feet of water here and there. And praying my motorcycle engine doesn't cut out on me, right? All you ex-motorcycle people or current motorcycle people, right? I get there. I get to the house, which is a miracle. And the mom is bawling. I'm like, are you happy? You know, crying. The young man comes out. He's just, he couldn't believe I was there. I couldn't believe I was there, but we had two different reasons. <laughs> and mom shares with me that there's been several times men have told him, I will come back, teach you the Bible, and then he never showed up again. Right? So guess who started the discipleship that night? Mm -hmm. Right? But look at the battle. And it started because there's this amazing group of people who love Jesus and helped us with football. You guys started discipleship in Valiente. That's your fruit. And that's where God has told us to plant the first church is in Valiente. Okay. So this area right here, my wife and I have went house to house. One more time. We've went house to house. The green dot is where there's a lady who lives who has been teaching children for a couple years about the Bible. Okay? And so that's where we did the, the sandal project. We started there. The red house or the red dot is where we're looking at this kind of sort of building. The concrete's finished. Uh, there's a roof kind of. And there's two openings that you can seal off. It had a num uh, phone number painted on the side of the wall. And so we're trying to figure out if we can rent it on Sundays because it would give us some shelter. And it's a whole lot bigger than her house is. So that's where we want to start meeting in May. So as soon as we get back, we're going to start services there. That area, we have literally went house to house. In the highlighted area. Just to... Just to say, hi, we're going to start teaching the Word of God. We would like you to come. And we're not going to disappear. We're going to plant a church in this area. And so we've been doing that literally house to house, talking to people through there. The blue dot is where there's a, a corner store. A corner store. 
and a whole bunch of men that gather. Guess where I'm going to do my Bible study? <laughs> At the, the corner store because there's, there's some concrete there and a little bit of a cover. And so men are already going there, so I'm not going to ask them to go somewhere else. I'm going to go there. And so as they start growing and learning, I'm sure they will fill that other location and help me fill it with people that want to hear about Jesus. Right? Go back one. Do you know how to go back? Mm -hmm. Awesome. That red thing up there is uh, there's two basketball courts. It's um, consultine wired around the concrete walls. It's a Catholic school. The thing that they're seeing that's different about us, and I'm not here to pick on Catholics. The thing they're seeing that's different about us straight out of the gate is that we're going into their neighborhood. They're saying you can come here. They don't go into the neighborhood. But they do have a stronghold there. And so the good news is some of the people have heard about Jesus. They've heard about God. And they've heard about the Bible. They just don't know how to be saved. Right? And so we're going to show them truth. We're going to disciple and teach them. One more. So some pictures of young men in the area. This is walking through the streets of Valiente. That's one of the good streets. Go ahead. Um, just doing house-to-house -house visits. Yeah, you can try and fast forward. That's my wife on the left <laughs> talking to the sweetest lady on the right who, man, she, she would not let us leave for nothing. <laughs> she talks and, and talks. I do talks. believe she'll be coming to church. <laughs> um, on the right, it's just some men that were working that I got to – and that's, I just want you to be able to visualize. We're just walking into life with people. We're just walking into their neighborhood. We're just trying to be part of what's going on there. Okay, I don't think you can, I don't know if you can tell or not. Maybe I can see it because I know what I took the picture of. But he has springs from a mattress, and he's torn it all down to the bare springs, and he's putting a new layer of foam. So he's like revamping these mattresses for either his home or his to sell. His business. Uh, yeah, by hand, building the mattress. Okay. So here's here's the Motley discipleship crew so far. <laughs> right, the guy in the very back in the white tank top is the first young man I told you about that accepted Christ. His name's Eric. Okay. This is, I want you to know I have a plan. I'm not flying by the seat of my pants. So this is the very first part of discipleship for them. I have another process that I'll use after this, but this is the core. If, if I can get young men, young women, old men, old women, if I can, I know women never get old, I'm sorry. So if, if I can walk them through these, this process, oh my word, they will turn the world upside down just with this. So very, very quickly, it's first perfection of salvation. I want to know that they're saved and they can't lose it. Right? And they immediately start sharing their testimony. Immediately. There's three parts to your testimony. If you were in the class Saturday morning, what are those three parts? Ooh, pop quiz. What are the three parts? Anybody that was in the class on Saturday? Uh, those, those are you have to remember. No, that's good, though. That was from this morning. What? Before Christ, what were you like? And then? When you met Christ and how you met him, and what's the third part? 
And yeah. what's different about you now? Okay? So they learn that, and they learn to do that how fast? Immediately. How fast? How fast do they have to do that? What's the time limit? Two minutes. They learn to share their testimony in two minutes. Okay? And then baptism, obviously, we teach them about that so they can take the first step of obedience. And again, we're still working on how to share our testimony because I'm not going to wait on baptism. I've seen nothing but rough issues when you wait on teaching them about obedience. So, man, let's go. There's a pond right around the corner. Okay? 100 degrees outside all the time, so why not, right? You're going to cool off. Okay? So we start walking them through the process. Yeah, hear the voice of the Lord. Know that voice. How do you hear it? Okay? Go ahead. So there's a discipleship process that we put in place. This is the area. Wow. I know. This, this, this is the area where we did the flip-flops. So these are some of the, the young ladies that received flip-flops. And then Israel in the plaid shorts is one of the local pastors that is just faithful to the word and to true doctrine and to teach the word and, and partner with us to go around to various places and visit. And he's discipling men. Yeah. He's the gentleman I was telling you about. Yeah. And then this is another picture of the girls. This day we just happen to get girls together. It's not always just girls. It's right. just how it was that day. Yep. Um, and Bethany in the back there, you see her. And So this, if, if we didn't have the other building, if we don't have the other building to meet in, this is the size area we do have to meet in. So that is a need for prayer. That's pretty small, and it's going to limit us real quick. I mean, we can meet outside. It's just that that comes with limitations, too. So um, just so you kind of get. And you can. You can meet outside. But I learned in Decatur, Alabama, I went around and started up a group outside at an apartment complex. We met in front of the apartment complex for three weeks. It grew from five to about 80. And then the next week, it started dumping rain. And then it got cold. And it got windy. And then time changed. And then the mosquitoes came out. And, okay, so. It is a need. Uh, and that's just a face. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I just had to one of the girls. I mean. Had to put that one in there. The faces of the, of the babies we meet are pretty precious. And this is them walking home. After they, after had, they had their flip-flops. Flip just walking, walking back to They're their They're so happy. One of them was so happy. <laughs> She's barefoot. She's got her flip-flops. In her hand. In her hand. You and she running down the feet, street. I got flip-flops. <laughs> 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 We've already shared. So prayer requests is supernatural wisdom, supernatural discernment, supernatural favor. I don't want just normal wisdom, normal discernment, normal favor. We ask him to give us supernatural. I want I want. It coming from heaven, okay? And when we show you those pictures of the kids like that, I think what I want you to think about is that I was one of those kids. I mean, you know, if you're ministering to a child, it's not just babysitting or, you know, having a Bible story. You don't know what impact you're having because I was one of those six-year-olds on the church bus. And it's not just kids that we're impacting. No, there are adults. they're no less significant. The, yeah. The, these, are, these are the foes that we have with us, just being real with you. That's what that boils down to. Mm -hmm. So 
Q&A, and I know we probably ran long. So. Anybody? Bueller? orphanages and stuff over there how are the children like in India if their the father dies or leaves or whatever the children are pretty much orphans because they can't take care of them is it similar to that there's orphanages there and then the other thing that happens a lot in the Dominican is what's called children of promise which means that if you can't raise your children you let somebody who can raise them it's kind of unofficial adoption it's completely unofficial. It's, it's not kind of. It's completely unofficial, but it happens. I, sometimes I think the, the kids on the street that we run into are in that situation. So um, we haven't run across any specific orphanages to minister to yet. That hasn't been in the area where God has led us yet. But They are there. That is something we can do in the future. Um, there, there are, there are, are so a lot of humanitarian efforts in the Dominican. Um, doing a lot of great work and um, we just are kind of led more to do there's a reason why there's a lot of humanitarian efforts doing a lot of other work and they're doing great things but why are the people in that situation okay and and I'm not there's all kinds of answers that we can give for that but we need Jesus and, and not just to hear words about him. We need to be introduced to him, be able to hear him. And good night, he, he just wants to bless them like crazy. He just wants to protect them, love them. And so we're kind of on the other end of the spectrum. We're teaching them about Jesus, and, and we want to help them. By all means, we love to help. I love kids. There's, there's one of my, one of my kids in here from junior church right back there. Right, he'll attest to it. I love kids, but I, he's got to go where he tells to go right now. Yeah. Under my so, bed. <laughs> so our apartment is um, on the sixth floor of our building. And so it's high enough up that we don't have to worry about flooding. So that's good. And um, if we do, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess if we did, that's a bigger problem. But um, so the hurricane tropical storm thing is very real. And um, it is worse from August to November is our hurricane season. And when we got into our apartment that we're in now, um, we had two tropical storms. They never reached hurricane level. And if it ever does, I'm, whew, because it was frightening. I'll be honest, it was frightening for me and Bethany just to go through the tropical storms. Um, it just sounds terrible. And I, we, we are safe in our apartment. The window's locked, the rain doesn't come in. Um, it just howls like it sounds horrible while it's happening. And 
Also, everything is concrete over there, so when thunder happens, it's like a bomb going off. And I'm minimizing that, I'm sure. Probably people have really heard a bomb. It's, but, and I haven't, but it feels like that. Um, it just echoes through the concrete, and so the thunder sounds horrible. Um, we don't have a shelter necessarily. We're safe in our apartment, but it does sound horrible. And so, yeah, if you are watching the weather and you see something headed our way, just pray for Bethany and I. He's fine. It doesn't bother him, but <laughs> just pray for our nerves because it is a little unnerving. Also, ladies, when it rains for 10 days in a row, you cannot get your laundry done and your clothes to dry, okay? And that is miserable. <laughs> so I know Miss Foster understands that. Um, so we have a dryer, but... Hey, wet clothes impact men, too. <laughs> just little things like that that you never thought to plan for, but you just work it out. Dryers are a waste of time, though. Yeah, there's no the point humidity. to your dryer because it's so humid that the clothes still... And also, your dryer hose doesn't go outside the house like they do here. It just goes back into the room. And I'm already hot and sweaty. Uh, the last thing I want is to turn my dryer on. So, yeah, that doesn't work well. We don't use it. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. We uh, kind uh, of... It my turn? Oh. Yes. <laughs> Are you still under quarantine? Only, ch say it with me, only child bread. <laughs> no. Yes, but it's, it's like it's, it's barely a quarantine right now. So it's really good right now. It's opened back up to the point where we can actually function and get things done, which is why we're able to start going into Valley Inn. The children have not gone to school, and there's no plan to let them go to school until next year even. So they have an entire generation who has been out of the educational system for it will be, it two, will be years two years by the time they go back that poses whole different issues culturally there yeah because homeschooling didn't happen no not very often or video visual virtual that's the word i was looking for virtual school they don't if you have enough money to have virtual school then then you're taking care of yourself just fine but and those with needs they well, they're not getting it for whatever it's worth Whenever we're supposed to be done, I will stay here as long as you want and ask, any, you can ask any question you want. There is, the only dumb question you've heard the saying is the one you don't ask. Okay? So keep that in mind. So you keep mentioning concrete buildings. Like, are there not, like, brick buildings you can go to? Or is it just, like, concrete better for, I guess, gathering? It, the reason they do concrete, I believe, is because they're able to do the archer the architecture in a way where when the storms come through, the building doesn't just topple. And so it stands up real well to the weather conditions that they have there. It's not like brick, though. It's your literally your concrete blocks. Um, we're watching them build some buildings right now, and it's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> they run rebar like three floors up and pull the concrete around the rebar. That's crazy, some of the things we're seeing, but I think they do it because of the conditions that they face with the weather. And in the barrios and the poor neighborhoods, there are lean-tos, wooden lean-tos with tin roof, tin roof. 
Like, um, so just to kind of give you an idea, the concrete buildings we're talking about would be like a business or in the city, um, but in the area that we showed you, that one building is concrete. Um, that would be like a fancier building. The houses in that area are just wood um, with a The place roof. that we showed you where the, the girls were and stuff, it's mainly all wood. And so when those areas, like you're talking about a, a shelter, right? And those areas, when they get hit, you see them the next day walking around the neighborhood trying to find their clothes and trying to find the things that have floated literally out of their dwelling place, gather their belongings to be able to bring them back. If where they're staying at provides them. I think we'll do one or two more. What is the hardest thing that God has asked you to do, not just in the Dominican, but overall? That one's for you. <laughs> How'd that work? Okay, I'll be, well. Be kind. I will, I will. Um, not just Two honest. things, on a personal level, probably the hardest thing was this past week, I'm going to do this without crying. It's okay. You can cry. Uh, Jesus wept. <laughs> because we got to see Mason for three days. And so, thanks. Uh, so, we, we just had to drive away from him. And our son. And our son. Mainly Mason. <laughs> but that's been the hardest thing. I really... Envy? I don't know. Uh, if you get to live near your family, that's such a blessing. And uh, we're all in different seasons for different reasons, and this is the season God has us in, and we're just going to embrace that in obedience. But it was hard. I cried, like, wailed, cried, like he was worried <laughs> when we got in the car to pull away. And I'm like, just don't talk to me and hand me a Dr. Pepper in a little while. We'll be okay. <laughs> But, you know, 27 years of marriage, you learn how to handle those situations. And he did, did it like a champ. Just put me in the car and start driving and give me a Dr. Pepper in a little while. We'll be okay. The that was probably from a personal perspective. but um, And there's another X factor she's not sharing. So here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you might need this one. <laughs> um, so we get to see him, but my son is in the process of receiving orders saying he's going to be going to Korea. For 12 months. He gets out in 13 months. So he's going to go to Korea for 12 months. So, I mean, he's wise. I've taught him how to negotiate it to the point that he gets to take his family with him. But we, so when are we going to maybe see our grandson again? Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Physical touch is important. Mm -hmm. so. Also, the hardest thing from a ministry perspective for me was... Um, kind of uh, blowing up the expectations that I had when I arrived on the mission field. Like I thought I, I had this notion of what it should look like or what I should be doing or, I mean, let's be honest, I was striving to be like super missionary wife like so many of the ladies that have gone before me and what you it are. seemed like they were accomplishing and 
how they were doing things, I was like, okay, that's my goal. Which I, oh, okay. God. <laughs> and God was like, no, here's your goal. And he put me on lockdown in an apartment. And I thought, I could have done this in the States. This is stupid. <laughs> Why did I have to leave everything? But when you're uncomfortable is when you know your comforter. Can you imagine me being in an apartment 17 hours a day? Come on now. And you've only been around me for a day and a half. Right? So the hardest thing for me was um, to be still, be in his word, be communicating with him and getting just his his vision for what I was to accomplish in that setting, in that time. Um, but I will tell you that my intimacy with the Lord had not been stronger than that time where I had was just set apart to talk to him and be in his word. So, but it was, it was hard and painful for me with my personality to just sit down and listen. Can anybody think of why it was good for us to be quarantined and, and how God can use that in a positive way in our, in our season? gave us time to phase into the country. So there is some blessing here. It was definitely the circumstances we needed to settle in because had everything been wide open, that's probably how we would have hit the ground running and that would not have been what was best for ministry. So. And that's what you wanted to do. Us and four million of our closest <laughs> friends. <laughs> Plus your daughter got married. Yes. Oh yeah, and our yeah, daughter got married. Yeah, juggling a, a wedding in a new country without Hobby Lobby. Um, if you know, you know. <laughs> Do you have anything in specific that you are wanting to collect to take back with you? She's already done that at all the thrift stores. <laughs> the quick answer is yes, but the the thoughtful answer is probably not because I don't have any more room for stuff. We're probably going to come back into the area around Christmas. That's our plan. End of November, beginning of December. But yes, there are some things. And I, I know this amazing person who's my mom, who lives in Belton, where we could keep some of these things if we so, yeah, you cannot mail anything. The postal system does not exist. And it won't get to us. And the shipping thing, we wouldn't ever see it. People will steal it or it gets caught up in customs, but we won't see any of it. It'll um, cost me $350 and I won't get it. Right. So that's, and, you know, unfortunately not an option. But, yeah, we'll be back in December. And, you know, if we can coordinate taking a few things back then, it's just comfort things. It's not like needful things. I can get, being in the city, I can get anything we need. I can get for a price. Mm. It's just that a, those things are cheaper stateside. Yeah, French vanilla creamer. Yeah. <laughs> Tylenol, so just little things like that. It's funny. I just think my coffee black. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, that's good. We've taken some time, so we're going to have to relieve the mom of yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, um, 
I had a few things I wanted to say before we do all that and wrap up. Let's just pray over this couple, all right? And uh, let's let's lift them up to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for just what we've heard, and uh, specifically, they're asking for prayer. Uh, and Lord, they're recounting answered prayers already. Uh, Lord, they're 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 speaking of your power and your love and your sound mind that uh, is working out in their life. And Lord, we're so thankful for them. Thank you for the sacrifice, Lord. We can we can see the suffering, and Lord, we know it's a light affliction, but it's not easy. Uh, they're making it sound easier than it really was. I know that they had uh, tension, trial, but Lord, they've also highlighted in in bright yellow the, the great joy of seeing salvation, the miracles that we talked about this morning, Lord, from teaching and preaching, and then Lord, seeing people. Themselves become disciples of Christ, Lord, and it's amazing and it's incredible, all because of just the little things like flip flops. And uh, so, Father, um, we're, they have done a great job of writing us into their story uh, because it's your story. You're the author of eternal life, and you've uh, written us all into this story in the Dominican. Uh, Lord, we haven't seen uh, all the people we don't even know, even Lee and Heather haven't seen all the work that you have for them. But, uh, Lord, we know that uh, already, Lord, like the nation of Israel crying out for a deliverer, Lord, uh, there's people crying out, and Jesus is the deliverer. And, uh, Lord, I pray, God, that you would send this couple uh, as an advocate, as, as your ambassadors, Lord, to represent you. And, Lord, thank you for allowing us to help be a part of that. We stay by the stuff, and, and, uh, and they propel forward, Lord, into the front. Lord, I pray, God, that your good hand be upon them, Lord, that you give them the grace that they need uh, and the time that they need it. Lord, you tell us to come boldly before your throne and ask for this kind of grace. And, Lord, I just pray, God, you give them that strength. Thank you for giving them the power to endure hardness as good soldiers of Christ, the biceps hanging out and uh, weather and uh, difficulty, heat, um, cultural uh, conflict, Lord, all kinds of issues, lockdowns, Lord, international incidents. Lord, Lord, they've persevered uh, because they love you and they love people. And uh, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that we would be an encouragement to them tonight and uh, this week, but not just now, but for the time that, that we're, we're going to know them until they're catching away. So, Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that the things that we're working out, the work that we're talking about, that, that they've just done a great job of highlighting will get accomplished even tonight through prayer. Lord, help us to know these, uh, these things that they're needing. Lord, help us to remember to pray for wisdom, for discernment. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that the gospel doors would be wide open and give them the grace and strength to get through and bring them the laborers for the harvest that they're going to need. And, Lord, help us just to, in advance just to praise you for the fruit that we're going to see. Give them the grace to face all the trials that lie ahead and all the saints that will come. Lord, we pray, God, a hedge of protection around that city. There's four, uh, four million people. Lord, there's also uh, a strong presence of the synagogue of Satan. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that you would just uh, just open these doors for them in the, in the presence of their enemies, like that Psalms 23, Lord, give them, help them to just have a great buffet, Lord, and a great table in the presence of their enemies, and help them to just uh, feast with you, and Lord, bring people to Christ. And so, Father, there's so much we, we need to pray for tonight, and I pray, God, that you just remind us of each and every thing, and Lord, just continue to bless uh, Lee and Heather. Thank you for the time we've had. Thank you for their mom being here. Thank you for Lee's sister being here tonight. And, Lord, I just pray, God, a blessing on this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, <coughs> we're running a little tight on time, so I'm going to – the Mammoth team is – got a couple of priorities. So thank you. Thank you, guys. That was good, wasn't it? Thanks for putting up with it. Amen.
Well, all right. So we start at eight o'clock breakfast, nine o'clock sessions. Uh, lunch will be immediately after the session, so you're all welcome to one of the course, and that'll be cool. Tonight uh, and then tomorrow night, Lee will be preaching, so that'll be good. Uh, and uh, we'll have some other things going on tomorrow night, so it'll be cool. Remember, David David uh, Brandon is here tonight. Uh, David is the head of the prayer team. Uh, so if you want to get involved in the prayer team, see David. Uh, you guys, when do you meet, monthly? and Every third Sunday. So you can jump on that, and you can pray for the Carters perpetually, and uh, that'll be awesome. And uh, thank everybody for the flip-flops, right? That was cool. So what a what a low hanging fruit thing that God was able to allow us to get involved in, and that was cool. So God's using that, so you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so, uh, okay, so here's what we got to do. I need some I need some help. Uh, Desiree and Brianna, I guess. Okay, so what do we need to do to clean all this up? Okay, all right. Okay, here's what we need. I'll repeat that because she didn't have a mic. So we're going to take the, the centerpieces and uh, probably the chiffon stuff, uh, fabric, whatever that is. Is that what it is? That sounds good. All right. So put that stuff up here on the, on the stage, on the platform. And then, uh, and then the, the, the uh, brown tablecloths, just throw those in the trash. There's a big trash can over here and over there. Uh, does anyone help with the food, the desserts and stuff? What do you need us to do with those? So we need some people to help. You can eat them on the way, but we need to we need to take all the desserts back to the kitchen. And um, if let me say this: if you have little ones, uh, let's go ahead and harvest our little ones first, and get the get and free up the mama team, and then uh, after that we can uh, we can just commence. So. Uh, let, hang on a second. Randy Foster, is there anything I'm missing? Anything I need to say, do, or think? Okay. So we'll wait till tomorrow. Yes, Belinda. Uh, that's a good question. So every night it's at 630. 630. Uh, here on out. I know we throw off everybody off on Sunday at 6, but that's because we're eating and we got to get home, get to bed so we can do this the rest of the week. So 630, so you all can commute out, get, get here from work, 630. And you're like, well, man, I, I can't get there till 7. We'll get here at 7, right? So just get here. So it'll be a good time. All right, let's do this. Uh, on your mark, get set. Uh, and Steve, do you, need any, do you need me to, any instruction? Yeah, tear down the tables, a vacuum, and then we'll put all the chairs up. So uh, we'll get it all done. Let's go. God bless you. Let's hit it.